Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Hello, good morning, this is Ken Murray, and welcome to The Michael Reed Show. Coming up, we speak to Deirdre Garrity-Smith, who is running for Fianna Fáil in Mead East. On Tornish to Simon Coveney joins us to discuss where Fine Gael are at with three full days of canvassing left to go in election 2020. We also talk to Andrew Keegan of Solidarity People Before Profit, a candidate in Mead East, and John Malone, who is running for Renewa in Mead West. After 10 o'clock, we'll have local candidates Thomas Byrne, Pather Tobin, Jed Nash and Rory O'Muraku in studio. And we'll also have our weekly crime spot with Ongorda Shiokona. Do get in touch. Our phone number is 1850-715-958. And our text number is 086-1800-658. Now, as you know, we've been doing a series of one-to-one interviews with various candidates in the Louth and Meath constituencies, an opportunity for you to get to know them and an opportunity for you to hear what each candidate has to say. So I'm joined on the line this morning by Deirdre Garrity-Smith, who is a Fianna Fáil candidate in Meath East. We were hoping to have her in studio, in the flesh, so to speak, but it seems the frosty weather overnight got the better of her car battery. Anyway, good morning, Deirdre. Hi Ken, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Yes, I believe you had uh, your your battles with the battery this morning. Oh, it's funny when it wasn't the frost actually. Yeah, it was the the engine was left on overnight, so it's happened to me once before. But um, it's difficult when it does happen. But all all is well that ends well anyway. It's fine. All right, okay. Well, look, Deirdre, uh, you're a Fianna Fáil councillor. I think you're based in is it Dunshockland? I'm uh, yes, I'm based in the Retoke local electoral area, um, but obviously I'm hoping to be a TD for Meadies following this weekend's vote. Okay, tell us a bit about your track record. First of all, as a councillor, if somebody said to you, Deirdre, uh, why should I vote for you on Saturday? What would you say in terms of what you've done as a councillor? I think I've been a consistent voice in terms of being a commuter champion since being elected and indeed actually even prior to that for a number of years. I had run previously in 2014 and it's something that I've been consistently um, speaking about over the years is is the serious problems that we have in relation to public transport and transport infrastructure in need. And I think it's quite clear over the last number of months um, across the media we can see that the narrative is definitely shifting and the people are really paying attention to this. 
as an issue, but it's certainly something that I have worked on. Um, my, indeed, my very first motion at Meath County Council um, on being elected was to follow through on my campaign pledge to try and progress the Navin Rail Link. And I was calling in my motion for um, immediate commencement of a feasibility study jointly between the NTA and Meath County Council and Erin Road Erin. And I do actually believe that that's something that can get off the ground very, very quickly. Feasibility study would obviously provide the data required in order to progress the much-needed rail link. And I think for me personally, that is something that is very much a priority. Um, but in addition to that, there's the problems with bus services, um, also something that I've been speaking about. But the problems in relation to sort of the cost of living, um, issues around childcare, which are obviously in uh, pretty topical for the day that's in it. Um, and just the variety of struggles that people suffer with. I feel that I have been a voice for, particularly for young working families um, in, in South East Mead. And just to come back to the commuter issue, I mean, I've actually brought forward my own um, proposals, legislative proposals in relation to flexible working. And um, these proposals have actually been accepted um, by my colleagues in the Feeling Fall Parliamentary Party and included in our manifesto. So if we are in government, this is something that, um, that will actually um, be implemented. And I'm, I'm quite proud to be a voice for that. OK, well, you say you're a voice for the commuter. And in one sense, uh, counties Louth and Meath have become sort of uh, victims of uh, a growing economy and that more and more people are buying homes in Meath. That means there's more traffic in Meath making its way into Dublin uh, every morning. Uh, you're a councillor, yet there is chaos, and I've, I've raised this before, on the N2 road between Dublin and Slane. It's the Dublin Derry Road. Uh, every morning at Kilmoon Cross and Primatestown Crossroads, there are traffic tailbacks of about two miles in both directions. Why have people like you done nothing to sort this out? Well, with respect, I'm on the council nine months, and I mean, like that, you know, there is a, a limit to what you can achieve within a short time frame. What I would say is, Fianna Fáil is proposing to implement a national um, infrastructure commission, and that issues like this are absolutely critical. People being stuck in sort of tailbacks for miles and miles every single day, each way in traffic. It's not feasible, it's not sustainable, and um, it's not good policy for people to sit back and, and sort of accept that as an accepted norm. And so I would say that I would be, it would be my intention, if elected, that under the National Infrastructure Commission, that issues like that, that pinch points like this around the county, that we are you know, consistently being made aware of, that they would come under significant um, scrutiny and that we would be in a position then to resource the appropriate um, solutions required to, to fix those problems. Because this is a quality of life issue for people, Can You know, people are struggling to come home sure. in the evenings from Dublin City Centre and they're, they're hardly seeing their children because they're leaving before dark, when, it, when it's dark in the morning. And when they get home in the evenings, it's dark as well. That's you know, the quality of life there is, is, is shocking. And right, but traffic tailbacks in the middle of the Meath countryside doesn't make sense in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, there's a failure on politicians, and indeed it could be said Meath County Council to address this problem. I mean, why don't we have a roundabout instead of traffic lights that creates tailbacks in both directions? It, it makes no sense to me at the moment, to be honest with you, Ken. I mean, if a roundabout would make perfect sense to me, so that's something that I'm, I'd be happy, very happy to support and um, you know, trying to, to implement any potential solutions there that would alleviate the, the commuter stress and the chaos that exists currently. OK, let me talk to you about something that was just on the LMFM news there at nine o'clock, uh, the Stepping Stone Centre for Children with Special Needs in Kilcloon. Apparently it's so underfunded that pupils are practically uh, sitting on top of each other and parents are at their wits end crying out for more resources. I mean, there would be parents listening into this programme this morning who feel that politicians have abandoned them. What would you say to them this morning? I can completely empathise with the parents. I mean, I've actually met with a number of these parents over the, over the past couple of weeks. 
Uh, it's absolutely shocking. I mean, my, my own members of my own family, my own mother is a special needs assistant. So this is a sector, you know, with, and an area with which I'm, I'm intimately familiar. And I, I just believe that the, what always strikes me when I meet these parents with children with additional needs is how hard they have to fight for each additional service. And I think in this day and age, um, Ken, that's, that's just simply not appropriate. Um, the children are being left behind. You know, the, We know that there's problems in terms of diagnostics um, for children with additional needs as well. But the fact that you know, um, centres that provide you know, excellent care and educational um, experiences for children with additional needs, such as stepping stones, the fact that they have um, temporary facilities is appalling. They should not be left waiting. And I, I'm, I, you know, as, as I mentioned, to, and as I said to the parents when I recently met with them, I'm very happy to support their cause in securing that um, additional funding required um, to, 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 to ensure that the building is, uh, is provided. Okay, let's move on to what is probably one of the most long-running contentious issues for commuters in Meath. Uh, we, we spoke earlier on there about uh, traffic queues from uh, Kells, Navan, Trim, Ashburn, even over on the other side, uh, Stamullen, Laytown Way into Dublin. Let's deal with Meath uh, in itself. The Dublin-Navan rail line continues to be a contentious issue. The line is there, and if the line was upgraded from a freight line to a passenger line, it would reduce traffic queues into Dublin. I mean, is it a lost cause, or why, even when Fianna Fáil was in power, was nothing done to upgrade the line? No, I don't think it's a lost cause at all. And, I mean, Fianna Fáil had committed the funding to... um to implement the Navan rail line. In fact, Fianna Fáil brought the, the rail to me. Fianna Fáil brought the rail to Dunboyne and to Pace. So I think that's something which the party can be proud of, but we're also the only party who has form in actually delivering rail to me. What I would say is that we had committed the funding, and it was actually Leo Varadkar, the Minister for Transport in 2012, who cut um, the, the, the funding to the line. Um, I know that last year that the, the, the line itself was actually downgraded from implementation to review status. And this is something which we councillors were, were quite concerned about. That was by Minister Owen Murphy. But I do think that I, I would I would say that it is not a lost cause. I do believe that it's something that can be delivered. And I think as well with the conversations around sustainability and people looking for sustainable alternative transport options to being in your car each day. And we know the tailbacks that we're sitting in in, in traffic on, on the roads. We know it's not sustainable. So ultimately, I believe that the Navan Rail Line is far from a lost cause. I believe it will be delivered and I believe that it can be delivered. Okay, but I'll put it to you that um, one of the scenarios that was put to me some years back was that if you upgrade the Dublin Navan Rail Line uh, from freight to passenger, less people will use the M3 and therefore the operators of the tolls on the M3 will take in less income and they in turn will have to be compensated by the state, i.e. the taxpayer. So what you win on the road, you lose on the rail line. Uh, Isn't that the problem that uh, successive governments face in dealing with the commuter problem between Meath and Dublin? I'd imagine, I mean, look, that's that's probably a a legacy contract issue, but I would imagine that this is something that the National Infrastructure Commission, which Green Fall is proposing establishing, would be able to look at in more granular detail and that these issues would be teased out within that framework. I think that you really have to look at all of these major capital projects um, in the area of transport with regard to the wider picture. And, I mean, there are you're always going to come up against obstacles, Ken, you know, a variety of different obstacles, and there'll always be many people giving you, you know, 200 reasons why something can't be done or shouldn't be done. But ultimately, I believe that the National Infrastructure Commission is, is a good framework and it's a good plan of action in terms of 
reviewing in a holistic way the transport needs for, for the country, in fact, but particularly for the commuter belt, where we know there are significant pinch points and significant problems for people. OK, some weeks, uh, in fact, some months back, I was filling in for Michael Reid here on this show, and we discussed the movement of the doctor-on-call service from Navan to Dunshocklin. And I think every single text and call we received thought it was absolute madness that everybody in the centre of Meath now has to go to Dunshocklin just to see a doctor. Uh, doesn't logic say that this should have been uh, retained in Navan, somewhere that's central to the county? What would you do to address this? Well, I mean, what I would say is that I believe that, you know, everybody should ha- have access to, to GP care in, in their own community. And I mean, it's not, I don't like the idea of sort of pit, pitting one community against another, to be honest, Ken, kind of saying Dunshockland versus Navin. I think that, you know, GP care should be readily available. And it actually harks back to the, to the problems that we have in, in access to GP care at the moment um, across the county and, and indeed across the country as well, where GPs are struggling. They're absolutely, um, you know, they're fleeing the profession because it is so difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's not feasible, it's not sustainable for them to stay in the profession. In many cases, it doesn't pay and they're under huge pressure. So what we're saying in, in terms of healthcare and what, what I would do, obviously, Clonture Care is a much longer term plan, but Clonture Care is ultimately, um, it, it, is, it does have cross-party consensus and it is all about bringing care back out into the community, properly resourcing GPs and ensuring that people do have access to that primary care within their own communities. So you ask me what I would do, I would fully resource and implement Clonture Care. And that is something, like I said, it has a cross-party consensus, but it's unfortunately can been mothballed by the government for the last two to three years. It has sat on a shelf in Simon Harris's office and has not been, been implemented. And as a result, we see rising waiting lists, increasing numbers of people on trolleys in hospitals, pressure on the acute settings and no access to, to GPs in the community. And these are real problems for people. So I think it's much wider than just one particular service provider or another in one community or another. OK, we have a lot of farmers listening to this programme, farmers who live in counties Louth and Meath. And we saw recently with the protests in Dublin that beef farmers are struggling uh, to make a living. Uh, they believe that there is some sort of what could be classed as a cartel in operation that certain beef producers um, are paying less for beef in this country than beef producers are getting in Britain. And we're going to see a reduction in cap payments once the UK does the deal with the EU. I mean, what can you do for farmers who are finding it very, very difficult to make a living and are actually considering getting out of the profession? Yeah, it is deeply concerning actually to see what's been happening um, over the over the, the last number of years. And I know the farmers have been coming under increasing pressure. I mean, it's important to remember that this is a sector that underpinned our economic recovery. You know, this is a sector that, you know, provided the backbone of, of our economic recovery over the last number of years to, to a large extent. So it, it needs to be fully um, supported. And I would say Fianna Fáil's position on this is that we're fully um, prepared to defend CAP up to a ceiling of 60,000 60, euro. And this is designed with, with a view to protecting family homes and family incomes. This is incredibly important. And um, like you say, it's the majority of people are, it's their family income, it's their livelihood. We're also saying in ter- terms of what you say regard, um, regarding a cartel, the establishment of the food ombudsman is another measure which Fianna Fáil is proposing. And I think that this is crucial. This is something that would uh, work to ensure fairness in the supply chain. It would look to ensure that um, people are getting a fair price for what they are producing. And I think that under under the current government, they haven't been given the, the, the comfort and the supports that they require in order to, to um, believe, I suppose, the sector is being sustainably supported for the future. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Just, 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 we've got one minute left. So in one minute then, I'm going to give you your chance to do your, your sales pitch to the electorate in Mid-East. In one minute, why should people vote for you on Saturday? I'm saying, asking um, the people of Mid-East to vote for me on Saturday because this government has not delivered for Mid-East over the last nine years. I'm asking for the chance to be a voice for commuters, uh, uh, to represent families who are struggling with the cost of living and to represent younger people who want to become homeowners and who under this government have not been afforded the opportunity to own their own homes. I believe that I can be a strong, progressive new voice for Mid-East within a new government Fall is the only party capable of leading an alternative, credible government, and I'm asking the people of Meadies to place their trust in me. Okay, Deirdre Gerty Smith, Fianna Fáil candidate in Meadies, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. I hope that battery gets itself fixed uh, in the coming hour or so. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, still to come, I'll be talking to Antonista Simon Coveney, but before that, we'll take a break. Ken Murray on LMFM. Well, as you know, the last two opinion polls have put the cat amongst the pigeons, so to speak, with Sinn Féin surpassing Fine Gael for what we do believe is the first time since the 1930s. Now, this is something of a surprise, and it suggests that Fine Gael's manifesto and track record in government since 2011 is not being well received by the electorate. I'm joined now by Antonista and Minister of Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney. Um, <clears throat> Simon, for as long Morning, as anyone... Ken. Uh, for as long as anyone can remember, Sinn Féin have always trailed Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, but they passed you out in the Ipsos MRBI poll for the Irish Times earlier this week. Uh, how much of an embarrassment is this? Well, look, this is an election campaign, and uh, people haven't voted yet, Ken. So, um, you know, clearly there is uh, a lot of volatility in the electorate, uh, and our job is to... Uh, is to win the argument, and I think we can still do that. Um, you know, I, I accept that that many people are looking for change, uh, but the truth is that Fine Gael has delivered enormous change uh, while it's been in government uh, in terms of getting people back to work, in terms of social and constitutional change, um, and we want the opportunity to continue to do that. Um, and I think we can win that argument, um, uh, but it's a very competitive election. There's no question about that. But I think when people really scrutinise what Sinn Féin in particular are promising, uh, then I think uh, they will think twice uh, about supporting that kind of change, which is going to undermine the fundamentals of the Irish economy, uh, will result, in my view, uh, in increasing unemployment and driving capital and jobs out of Ireland. That's not what we need. Uh, What we need is a strong economy that can fund better public services and housing and healthcare, more Gardaí, and so on. And uh, I believe when people really think about the choices before they vote, uh, they will see that what has happened in the last nine years in Ireland, given where we were coming from, which was a deep and dark recession, uh, they will see that the country is moving in the right direction, but we still have a lot of work to do, whether that's on Brexit, uh, whether it's uh, on tackling and confronting crime, uh, or whether it's um, uh, resolving a housing crisis uh, and bringing about reform in our health system. All of those things are possible uh, on the back of a strong economy, and Fine Gael is making progress on that. Um, in contrast to that, I think what Sinn Féin are offering you uh, is, um, uh, is confusion on crime. I mean, they won't even support the Special Criminal Court, uh, which is uh, the court that, that puts gangland leaders in prison. Um, and uh, as I say, they're looking to, uh, to raise about 3.8 billion euros in taxes largely targeting the people that create wealth and employ people across Ireland. And I don't believe that's the kind of change that Irish people want. 
Right, but the Sinn Féin, if you like, electorate are generally uh, working class. Uh, They would feel that they have not benefited in any, if you like, boom in the Irish economy. I think uh, employment is at a record high. Unemployment is around 4.7%. You are returning uh, budget surpluses at the moment. uh, That the very electorate that Sinn Féin is targeting are not benefiting from this. So I suppose what I'm talking about... The people people who've benefited most from a Fine Gael-led government, or people who didn't have jobs nine years ago, families who were saying goodbye to, uh, to young members uh, of their families, uh, rural parishes that weren't able to put GA uh, teams together because young people were leaving. They were going to the US, uh, okay, Canada, but, uh, Australia, uh, sure. uh, and I mean, virtually every second family in the country know what that, knows what that feels like. Sure, but Simon, have I have to... thousand people coming to Ireland every year to be part of our society, to be part of our economy, because Ireland is a good place to live. Sure, but... That's not uh, to say we don't have challenges. Of course we do. Yes. Particularly around housing and healthcare, and in particular uh, in, in the county of Louth uh, uh, in relation to policing challenges in Drada, which, uh, you know, Fergus O'Dowd has given real leadership on, um, and, of course, on Brexit uh, uh, in the context sure, but, but, of but, but, preventing border infrastructure with John McGahan. John McGahan sure, really but Simon, Simon I, I, I have to challenge you on this. I mean, the very issues you talk about, housing, uh, soaring rents, hospital waiting lists and the pensions issue, do you accept that your failure to properly handle these issues have angered the electorate that Sinn Féin is targeting and they are now turning their back on you? And that's the reason. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I think some people are angry and some people are frustrated. They want progress faster. Uh, I think in many ways Sinn Féin has tried to fuel that anger. Uh, but if you look at what's happening on housing, you know, when I became a housing minister three and a half, four years ago, um, there was virtually no social housing uh, being built in, uh, in the country. Last year, we added 10,000 social houses to the social housing stock. Uh, we were building significantly less uh, than uh, 10,000 houses a year in Ireland at that point. We're now building, this year it'll be about 26,000 and growing fast. Um, we have seen house prices level off. In fact, house prices are falling now in Dublin. Uh, and yesterday we see uh, DAF.ie reporting for the first time in six or seven years, rental prices starting to fall. So, you know, we are providing more homes. It's not done yet. There's a lot more to do on the housing uh, uh, crisis. There are many families that are under huge pressure in terms of the rental market and some who are, who are homeless. But, but those numbers are falling. Sure, but I, I'll put stick, it to you. If we stick with the plan, we'll solve this problem rather than taking some kind of new radical uh, direction uh, in housing with Sinn Féin, okay. uh, which is not about home ownership. Okay, uh, Simon. But purely focused on social housing. Right, but as things stand, as in three days out from an election, for a young couple that's paying literally every penny of disposable income on rent, they can't save enough to put a deposit on a house. They're being crippled with childcare, and that's before yeah. they have to queue up in a hospital to get their broken leg fixed. I mean, yeah, as far as they're me- concerned, you have not delivered. Well, let me speak to that couple, because they are the couple that Fine Gael uh, are trying to help right now. Uh, If that couple wants to own their own home, uh, we introduced a Help to Buy scheme, which 16,000 individuals and couples have used to buy their first home. 16,000 in the the last two and a half to three years. Uh, And we're going to continue to do that. In fact, we want to put more money into that scheme so that couples who we know can't afford to save because they're paying too much in rent can actually effectively get their own tax back in the form of a grant to allow them to put the deposit 
uh, together for a house. And we're committing uh, to that figure being up to €30,000 to get them started on the housing ladder. Sinn Féin are proposing to abolish that scheme. Abolish it. They have no interest in home ownership. Um, uh, so, you know, what I would say to that couple, because most couples in Ireland want the opportunity to own their own home. They don't want to be stuck in the rental market forever. Uh, and we have a solution for that couple uh, in relation to childcare. Today, or in, in 2019, 175,000 children in childcare. Uh, parents were getting uh, 64 euros extra a week in support payments. 9,000 children, uh, their parents were getting 145 euros a, uh, a week in terms of childcare supports. We've gone, in 2015, the country was spending 265 million euros a year in childcare. We are currently spending uh, about 640 million. So this this government has put more money into childcare than sure, any Sure, but, but for the struggling couple, they would say that's not enough. That. Yeah, but for the yeah, struggling couple, they would enough. say... It's not enough, and we're, we're going to do more. We're anticipating in our, in our manifesto that we'll be spending a billion euros supporting childcare, making it more affordable by 2025. And also, uh, we have committed for those working in the childcare sector, many of whom are protesting today, uh, and we're listening to them, we have committed to setting up um, a, uh, a Labour committee to set wage rates for, uh, and terms and conditions for people working in the childcare sector. Well-educated people uh, with good qualifications, some of whom are working for the minimum wage or just above it at the moment. That's something we are committed to changing. OK, I want to move on, Simon, because we're, we're up against the clock here. If, if I'm right in saying, I think I read your CV once, that you have a, a degree in agricultural science. Um, a lot of farmers out there would feel that incomes have dropped. They're, they believe there's some sort of what could be described as a cartel in the beef sector working against them when it comes to prices for beef. Uh, they have fears that cap payments will be reduced once uh, the UK and the EU do the long-awaited deal. I mean, what message do you have for farmers who are actually thinking of getting out of the business because they see incomes dropping? Well, what I'd say to them is that you have a future with Fianna Gael. That's what I'd say to them. You know, and I know the farming sector very well. I was a minister for agriculture for five years. I am passionate about the food sector. Uh, when our economy was in a very dark place, one of the bright lights at that time in terms of growth and investment was farming. Uh, and that's because the state invested and supported farmers and farm families across the country under Fine Gael leadership. I was the minister who negotiated the last CAP um, uh, agreement, uh, which provided over 12 billion euros of support to Irish farm families. And Fine Gael, I hope, will have an opportunity to negotiate the next round of CAP in, over the next 12 months to make sure that we keep that level of support for farmers. We've set up a beef forum. Uh, the beef sector does need to be restructured. Um, farmers are not getting their fair share uh, of uh, the price uh, of beef. Um, and, uh, and we want to change that. Uh, that's why we've committed to setting up a food regulator uh, that will focus on beef in particular to make sure uh, that the relationship between factories and farmers change. Uh, we're supporting uh, farming organisations and farmers uh, to set up producer organisations so that farmers can negotiate collectively uh, and in a much more powerful way, better prices with factories. That's what Fine Gael is doing on the ground. While other people uh, are focusing on making people angry and protesting, we are focusing on actually changing the sector so that farm families can get a decent income for the work that they do. That's always been Fine Gael's record on agriculture. We are, in many ways, uh, a, a party that grew from out of rural Ireland 
uh, with the support uh, of of farm families. Oh, okay, and, just, you know, just as I say, very briefly, you know, as a person who actually led this sector for five years at, at a challenging time. Uh, I can assure you uh, that farming will always be a big priority for Fine Gael. Okay, just one final question. I mean, would you accept that Fine Gael have scored a number of PR gaffes in the past number of months? And I'm thinking of the Maria Bailey episode, the Darren Murphy controversy, Charlie Flanagan planning to commemorate the Black and Tans, and Catherine Noon uh, referring to Leo Varadkar as autistic. Would you accept that that has sent out a message that Fine Gael is insensitive and out of touch with reality? Well, Fine Gael has made mistakes. You know, every party does, and, and every party has individuals who make mistakes. Uh, it's how you respond to those uh, that I think mark you as, as a person. Uh, and what I would say to people on Saturday is, you know, focus on the big things that matter here, uh, not mistakes that people have made that make you angry for a few days, but the things that really matter. You know, who is the party that's going to protect Ireland through the next round of Brexit, for example? so that our fishermen, our farmers, our exporters yep. are protected in that context. Okay, we're going to have to wrap it there, who Simon. Is the party, who is the party that has protected people in Louth uh, against the reimposition of, of border infrastructure over the last two or three years? We are a party okay. uh, that, that, in my view, people can trust on the big issues, jobs, the economy, crime, Brexit. Uh, and please, I would say to people, don't be taken in uh, by the falsehoods and the promises Uh, that are being made by some other parties who are looking to buy your vote with things that they cannot deliver. All right. Okay. we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. That's on Tónishta and Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney. More to come. Keep those texts and calls coming right here with myself, Ken Murray, on The Michael Reid Show. Ken Murray on LMFM. Keep those texts and calls coming. Our phone number is 1850-715-958 and the text number is 086-1800-658. Did I say earlier on that we were talking to John Malone of Renewa today? My apologies. We'll be talking to John Malone of Renewa tomorrow. Okay, continuing on with our series of one-to-one interviews. Uh, my next guest in studio is Andrew Keegan, who's representing Solidarity People Before Profit in the Mead East constituency. Uh, thanks for coming in, Andrew. Uh, first of all, you're from Santry, so somebody in Mead East might say, why should we vote for you, seeing as you're actually not from the locality and probably not tuned into the local issues? Uh, well, firstly, I'm a worker. Um, we're standing on a single-issue campaign uh, and bogus self-employment. So myself and colleague uh, Gus MacDonald, who lives in Drogheda, we'd run a, pa- uh, you know, a Facebook page, uh, Building Workers Know Your Rights. So uh, really... The issue is to get at Regina Doherty, who's been the worst employment minister, uh, minister since the history of the state. Increased pension ages, right? If you have increased pe- pension ages for workers of 68, there's not too many workers in Clubman Scaffold at 68 and fit a window or do whatever they have to do. So, really, there's, there's no provision uh, uh, there to protect workers in general. So, that's I'm just standing as a worker, you know, an Irish worker, uh, an international worker, whatever you want, to represent. Uh, people in general. Okay, you're so, having a go there at Regina Doherty, exactly, who's yeah. the Minister for Social Protection, but what would uh, Solidarity People Before Profit actually do if they had somebody at the Cabinet table? What would you do? Well, there's legislation already in place, right? It's already put forward by a number of the parties, including our own. Uh, it just needs the signing off of a pen to get rid of bogus self-employment. Like, if I was to get rid of bogus self-employment as one act, I could, you know, retire happily into the sunset. Because if you think about it, there's over 200 to 300,000 
uh, workers impacted by, by bogus self-employment. And that is the equivalent of anything from 10 to 20 billion that's been lost over the last 10 to 20 years. So it's a serious issue, you know, that the, the rights of workers have been badly affected by this. Not just construction workers, retail, hospitality, you know, childcare workers that, you know, that, that are on strike today. So uh, if I could just do that one thing, that's what I would do. Okay, a lot of childcare professionals are protesting today. What's the great big uh, solidarity people before profit plan uh, to deal with the ridiculous cost of childcare? Well, the, it's the way it's set up. So we, we, we envisage that the, uh, the childcare should be extremely low cost. It should be run, run by, by the government, not a private enterprise. So what you have now, you have your childcare is being funded, the money's been handed over to private enterprises to, to you, know, you know, look after children. So if you think about so it, you want the hard pressed taxpayer to pay even no, more. No, I don't want tax. the hard pressed to, to, to do. I want the hard uh, pressed taxpayer to get money, get some results for that tax, get childcare. Right, it's a, it's a key component of, of an equal society that every every parent, if they have children, they have access to childcare, whether they want it or not. Now, the the issue we have in relation to what goes on in that sector is that the workers there are paid extremely low. Now, they're. So somebody's making a profit out of you know children. Well, in fact, the government should take on board, uh, run run the crisis, stay on crisis, employ the people properly. The the key issue is that the workers they can't get staff. Staff are being trained up to level six, level seven, right? Uh, or highly trained people, and they're on they're they're on really basically uh, the minimum wage. That's a key. That's right, a key but issue. Are you advocating state-owned childcare yes, yes. or state-run yes. childcare? Not for profit at cost. Right, and if it was at cost, then you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have the issue, the insurance uh, issues like the insurance industry are fleecing, them. so that there's they're being preyed upon, and at the end of the day, it's the, it's the parents that you know that have to pay. So, and they're paying too much as it is. Okay, um, people before profit uh, and solidarity, and I think rise is in there somewhere. Um, you're promising to increase the state pension to two hundred and sixty euro per week. I mean, how much will that cost the taxpayer? Well, the, on average, the Provision, right? The annual provision for pension is 330 million, right? Based on our estimates. It could be 320, 340 million to cover that, basically just to cover pension costs in, in the state. So the, the way that's covered, there's a million, sorry, there's one billion annually, right? Un, uh, unrecouped from businesses that, that should be paying their social welfare contributions from workers, right? Uh, one billion versus three hundred and forty million. That's the f- that's the money we want to use to cover the increase in the pension rate. Um, you're also talking about introducing, and this is a quote from your website: "quote a high income charge for those earning over ninety thousand euro." I mean, what's the definition of a high income charge? I mean, is it a particular tax rate, or is it a punishment uh, charge because of the fact that people are successful in the economy and therefore they get paid well? Well, it depends on how successful they are. You know what I mean? The 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 level of contribution made by low low wage earners right is the is equal to the level of contribution that's made by high wage earners right so if you if you're going to have a, a tax scale a pay scale uh, you would expect that higher income earners would pay more than lower incomes but that's not the case as percentage as percentage of income lower earners pay more as percentage than higher earners and that's what that's about Okay, let's talk about uh, the corporate sector. Um, people before profit, the likes of Richard Boyd, Barrett and Paul Murphy stand up on the doll and give out yards about the likes of Facebook and Google and the big corporations in this country who make billions. Uh, you have indicated, you the party have indicated that uh, they would have to pay more. Wouldn't that be counterproductive? Wouldn't that make the Facebooks and the Googles of this world say, you know what lads, we're out of here, we're heading off to Estonia where there's a very uh, attractive, we'll say, corporation tax rate and we lose all 
all those jobs, we lose all those revenues, we lose all those incomes and all the associated jobs that goes, if you like, that feeds into those businesses in this country. Wouldn't you drive the corporate sector out of the country? Well, that analysis is actually incorrect. Uh, if you... Uh if you look back at all the comments made by any of the corporates to come in here, firstly, the reason why they come in here because this country is a tax haven. So if they're going to be here right, and employ people, they should pay the tax. But the reality is that the, you know, the corporate sector want to know, if they're going to have to pay tax, they want to know what level of tax they should pay. Now, I, I don't find it acceptable that zero uh, tax is, is, being, is being paid by the likes of Google, Apple and so forth. And in fact, Apple owes $20 billion and uh, the government's fighting so that they don't pay it. So it's a bit immoral uh, to take that stance. That's, what, that's how I feel. Uh, you know, the, they they will not leave this country. There's no, they, they won't. They, but the answer to shareholders, they'll go where they can maximise their profit, and we have them well, here. Some people profits, might say yeah. we need to hold on to them. Look, if, they, if if you tax Google or Apple four percent, it's nothing to them. Absolutely, and in global terms, it's absolutely nothing to them. Tax them four percent, whatever, uh, they'll accept it. Uh, they're not going to budge from here. They get it. They get a free pass here, and they'll be getting for the last twenty years. Okay, Andrew, you've one minute. Tell us then why people should vote for you, people before profit and solidarity in Saturday's general election. One minute. Right, in principle, we want people to break the cycle of Tweedledee, Tweedledum, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So there's, a, there's, an, there's an opportunity now here to vote left on your ticket. Vote left to basically to look for social change. Now, if we, whether we achieve or not achieve a left or centre-left government from this, the whole point is, is to say we want change, we want change now in our society, in our schools, we want a future for our children and get rid of the likes of uh, bogus self-employment. OK, Andrew Keegan representing People Before Profit and Solidarity in the Mead East constituency. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. OK, more to come. We'll take a break. Ken Murray on LMFM. OK, you've been busy on the phone and text lines. Marie Kearns joins me in studio. So, Marie, what's uh, bothering the listeners in the Loud Mead area this morning? Oh, lots of things, Ken. We'll start with Sheila, who phoned in, was listening to Simon Coveney talking about Fine Gael and knowing that they've made mistakes, they're only human, etc., etc., and they would like to be re-elected so they can learn from the mistakes they've made in their past. But Sheila says that if Fine Gael are so keen on letting people learn from their mistakes, why on earth the, does uh, the teacher use every possible opportunity to fling mud at Mihal Martin over the actions of Fianna Fáil in the past? And why does Leo blame all the problems in the country on the past mistakes of Fianna Fáil? She says she's not a Fianna Fáil supporter at all, but she's sick, sore and tired of Leo's mud slinging. Well, she, she'll, uh, she'll have her choice on Saturday. She sure will. Peter from Dundalk phoned in, wants to give my spec on the things, as he says. He say he mentioned that he had to go to Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Drogheda recently. He went in at 7 o'clock in the evening, wasn't seen until 7 or 8 the next morning, was in A&E the entire night, listening to Simon Coveney talking about building hospitals or rebuilding hospitals and says all he has to do in Louth is look at the Louth County Hospital. It's not being used to its full potential and should be opened as a full hospital. He also has concerns about ambulance times and feels that this also needs to be addressed. Margaret listening in this morning is from the Drumiskin area. Not one candidate has knocked on her door. She feels that she has no idea who these people are that we are voting for. Well, now, In fairness, we've had a lot of the candidates in so far, so keep listening. We'll have more to come sure. over the next day or two. Tony listening in this morning. I'm waiting for a bus in Drogheda since 8.30. One bus came along. It was full, Ken. It's now 9.20. There are 25 people waiting for another bus to come along. This is the nightmare that commuters have to endure. Would like the politicians to please, please look at transport. Yep. 
Carmel was in touch. She felt inspired, she says, after listening to Emer Tobin's interview uh, yesterday morning. She right. feels that the likes of Emer gives hope to the country. It's good to see people are willing to walk the walk and that love the country. She says, I have respect for all candidates who put themselves forward, but the promises they make before getting elected, they need to fulfil them once elected. Elizabeth is not too happy with election posters and where they are being positioned. She says that there was one, she came across one outside a graveyard yesterday. She was saying, seriously, do we really need to have an election poster on a trailer outside a graveyard? No respect if anybody was attending a funeral. That's the last thing you want to see, says mm. Elizabeth. Yeah, a bit insensitive, all right. Uh, Mary from Cavan listening in says, Ken, you're doing a great job. A breath of fresh air. Have you paid someone to ring What's her name? What's that? her name? Mary from Cavan is all she's saying. <laughs> I don't know any Marys in Cavan. <laughs> okay. Uh, Martina phoned in listening to the listening to your show this morning. Uh, very interesting. Simon Coveney on it feels like a last grasp attempt to try and win over voters. She says that she was watching the debate last night and no real uh, winner jumped out at her. She felt that there was some good points made by all candidates candidates a lot to think about. You and I sort of formed that opinion this morning that nobody really sort of stood out. They were all sort of more or less the same, um, although it could be said that uh, Mary Lou MacDonald wobbled on a few questions. She did, but I think they all, I I definitely wouldn't have have thought there was a clear winner and I thought she held her own considering uh, that you know that there were were a few uncomfortable points sure, made, sure, sure. and uh, uh, and we'll still, deal with that shortly. Still, yeah. We will be talking about that, I think, in, in the next minute or two, won't we? Sure, with Sean Defoe, yes, yes. Uh, another listener, John, phoned in, and John says that he is sick to his teeth of the elections. Can we not talk about anything else? For heaven's sake, that he is just fed up listening to it. Well, John, it'll all be over. It'll all be over in the next couple of days. Yes, so, and uh, <laughs> I think I've said on a previous program, uh, we live in a democracy. Uh, there are people around the world who would give their lives just to have democracy. So uh, make the most of it while you can, because if you live in a democracy, you actually have a vote and that in itself can influence change. Uh, finally, the last one, a text from a listener who says, all this talk about election, please, please do not let the situation in Drogheda in relation to crime go under the radar. There was so much publicity um, about around the rally and it, I'm worried now that the guardian in the town could go quiet again. We need to see that big guard of presence, says a listener. Okay, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. And by the way, our phone number is 1850-715-958. The text number is 086-1800-658. Do get in touch. And uh, Marie, you may be back with us later on. Yes. Okay, let's move on. As you probably saw on television last night, the much-hyped leaders' debate uh, took place in RTE. Uh, It gained a lot of publicity in advance because there were question marks as to whether or not uh, Mary Lou MacDonald should take uh, part in the debate. Uh, There were question marks about the criteria in which party leaders should be invited to participate. Uh, One man who was watching it joins me on the line right now. Uh, Our our LMFM stroke uh, News Talk political correspondent is Sean Defoe. Uh, Sean, how do you think the debate went? I think it was an interesting debate, probably the most entertaining of the, the lot that we've seen so far. Three very capable debaters going head to head. It got into the issues a little bit more. I think people probably got to see what each party leader stands for when it comes to housing, health, 
taxes as well, where they do have real points of difference. I, I think, as you were saying, Marie, they're probably right in saying there was no very obvious and outright winner. I do think Leo Varadkar was probably the strongest performer on the night. It was certainly his strongest performance in one of the debates to date. I think he got his points across quite well, held up under the scrutiny of housing, a little bit less so on health. I thought he was a bit more dodgy on some of the figures there. Uh, Michal Martin, I think, struggled at times to really assert himself and to get in when, when he could have to make points. When he did get in, he was it was quite good. Probably at his best when he was attacking Sinn Féin. He really decided last night to go after their economic policies. That was his method of attack and he scored a number of points on that. And then, I mean, a very mixed night for Mary Lou McDonald. She had some very good points. He got really got in early on to attacking uh, Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin, saying they're the same. If you want change, you need to vote Sinn Féin because these two have had their chance. They've run the country for 100 years. They're two parties and this is where, where we're at. But then uh, a couple of very, very big moments where she fell down. The special criminal court being one of those refusing to support it, asked four times whether or not she backed the special criminal court and not giving a, a strong answer on it. Uh, and the a uh, couple of other questions in terms of uh, what they would do for the environment and home retrofitting, quite vague there. And the big moment of the night, I think the one that has been replayed across radio most of the morning, was the questions on uh, on Conor Murphy and his comments in relation to the murder of, of Paul Quinn in 2007, where he said there was criminality involved where there wasn't. Uh, she came out of quite uh, intense uh, questioning from Miriam O'Callaghan on that point. The quotes were put to her from 2007. There were long pauses in parts of her answer uh, and uh, did, really did not come across well. Yes, that very point about Paul Quinn, um, it seems to be an uncomfortable issue for Sinn Féin at present. And it would appear that Sinn Féin, I think it's fair to say, doesn't appear, certainly up to yesterday, to have got its act together on dealing with this. Uh, Do you think perhaps uh, she found it difficult to come up with a convincing answer? She certainly seems surprised that uh, Miriam O'Callaghan had found the original quote from Conor Murphy from this very high-ranking Sinn Féin member, a minister in the North, a finance minister in the North now. Uh, and the full quote was was very explicit, that uh, that he said that Paul Quinn had been involved in criminality, which wasn't true just the night before with the Brian Dobson interview. Mary Lou Macdonald had said something different, uh, and she seemed to be at sixes and sevens in relation to, to her answer to that. It's something that has kind of dogged them in the last few days. And where she was strong on uh, the more uh, fundamental issues for a lot of people in terms of housing and health in, in the Republic, that was one that really dogged her. Um, if one was to, if you like, do uh, a forensic examination of all the TV debates so far, I mean, in real terms, they're just rehashing the same issues over and over. And uh, it's the little things that have the potential to trip people up. And I'm thinking of the question I think that Pat Kenny put to Leo Varadkar about uh, his interview with Hot Press magazine, where he was asked uh, if he ever took drugs and he paused and you didn't know whether he was going to answer it or not or whether he was going to try and wriggle his way out of it. But in terms of the bread and butter issues, I mean, there's a picture emerging that these debates are not actually making any real impact on the public. Would you agree with that? Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm really interested to see what the impact of last night's debate was, because they all left it rather late. Mary Lou MacDonald had been riding absolutely high and then had her first real slip-ups towards the end of the debate, looked really quite shaky on a number of issues as she was asked about you know the commitment to the Sinn Féin manifesto that they were going to do a real dramatic change, I think was what the, the manifesto said. She was asked, well, what does that mean in real terms? And 
didn't really have an answer or anything in specifics. So I think it'll be interesting to see if that does knock her off her stride. Obviously, she's fain have been rising high, or top of the last poll that came out at the weekend. Uh, and it would be interesting to see if it affects that. Leo Riker left his best performance to last. He was uh, the, almost the Leo Riker we used to see as, uh, as minister when he was a little bit more freewheeling, uh, when he went in with a you know very confident mastery of the facts, but also went into attack his opponent. And for Micheál Martin, it was an interesting one. I think it's strange seeing the dynamics. He hasn't been as strong in the debate this time around as he was in 2016. Uh, perhaps that's because of who he's up against. And the Leo Varadkar and Mary Lou McDonald are much stronger debaters than Jerry Adams and Enda Kenny was. But even also, the, if you look at the age dynamics in 2016, Micheál Martin was the youngest person in the room in those debates. Uh, he was the oldest by a good 10 years last night and then nearly 20 years in the case of Leo Varadkar. So I feel that he could have done better, certainly based on his usual performances in the doll. He, he didn't live up to that, but gave a pretty assured performance last night that will rally his own support, if not win over sure. some of the undecided. Finally, Sean, I think there's one more debate uh, promised tomorrow night with uh, other party leaders, but uh, do you expect that over the next three days, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are going to engage in a lot of Sinn Féin bashing uh, arising from the Ipsos MRBI Irish Times poll? I think so. Leo Varadkar has been on the radio this morning and the predominant part of that interview he devoted to trying to attack Sinn Féin in relation to crime, in relation to the Special Criminal Court uh, and the areas that he perceived them not to be particularly strong. He posed the question, you know, do you really want a Sinn Féin justice minister? Do you want Sinn Féin appointing judges in the country? So that clearly has emerged as a line of attack from him. It was interesting to see Micheál Martin last night peel back a little bit from the criticism of Leo Varadkar. He still criticised him, but not in the kind of really aggressive, staunch terms that we've seen earlier on in the campaign. So perhaps he is sensing now that the real threat is from Sinn Féin. And both party leaders, they've said it a number of times in the last few days, uh, they're going to say it again, that if you want change, but you don't want Sinn Féin, you're going to have to vote for us, because otherwise you're going to split the vote and let them in. And Sinn Féin now uh, have to, I suppose, rally from the one blip they've had last night. They really had an unblemished campaign up until now, and are still very strong in the polls and going to get a lot of votes. So it sets up an incredibly tense last few days. I kind of wish there was another opinion poll going to come out to tell us what's going to happen, but it will be, as the politicians have been saying along, the one that matters when we know, which is going to be after uh, after polls close okay. on Saturday night. Okay, we'll leave it there. Sean, uh, Sean Defoe, our political correspondent, uh, thanks very much indeed for joining us. Ken Murray on LMFM. Now, as you know, there are three full days of canvassing left in election 2020, and the opinion polls suggest that a change of government is almost a certainty after Saturday's general election. I'm joined uh, in studio by a number of candidates from uh, the Louth and Meath constituencies, but I should stress at the outset that we had asked the Minister for Social Protection and Employment Affairs, Regina Doherty, to take part in this morning's programme. Her people said she would take part, she'd be live in studio, but she has cancelled at the very last minute. And uh, in the meantime, Fianna Fáil spokesperson education, Thomas Byrne, has joined us in studio. So I am joined in studio by Ain2 leader and TD from Meath West, Padre Tobin from Navan, Labour Senator Jed Nash from Drogheda, and Councillor Ruri O'Muraku, who is from Dundalk and is a Sinn Féin candidate in the Loud East Meath constituency also. Uh, Ruri, I'm going to start with you because uh, an issue that's been dominating the news uh, in the last few days has been Sinn Féin's handling of the Paul Quinn uh, killing. Now, 
Uh, we have um, a piece of audio uh, from some time back when uh, Mary Lou MacDonald uh, spoke to Michael Reid on this programme back in October. And uh, perhaps, I don't know if you've got a set of headphones there, but uh, we'll, 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 no, we don't have a set of headphones. But look, we'll, we'll, we'll switch off our mics and we'll put on our monitors. And uh, you might want to have a listen to this. Uh, as I said, it's Mary Lou MacDonald talking to Michael Reid last October. Which can be interpreted to mean you won't be asking Conor Murphy to retract that statement. No, it's, it, no, it cannot be interpreted uh, in any way. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you directly, because there's a simple there's a simple way of answering this. You can say yes or no. Uh, will you ask Conor Murphy to retract that statement? I will ask uh, Conor Murphy to say and do things that give confidence uh, and comfort to the Quinn family, as I would expect of any of our elected reps. Okay, I don't think that addresses the question that Bridge Quinn asked on this program just last week, but we'll leave that there for the moment. Okay, that was uh, Michael Reid there talking to Mary Lou MacDonald back in October. One would get the impression listening to that that uh, Mary Lou didn't have an answer. She was dodging the issue. And uh, it begs the question, has Sinn Féin sorted this issue out once and for all? Well, I think what Mary Lou said at that stage was she would talk... Come right in there, Rui. She would get Conor Murphy... um, to do things that would obviously be reduce the pain of the Quinn family, obviously after the terrible tragedy that they, that had happened to them. So uh, Mary Lou has t- talked to Conor Murphy and Conor Murphy has retracted the statement that he made based on the pain that it has caused the family and he is open to a full apology and I think that's, hopefully this will bring some sort of little bit of sucker to, to the family. Okay, so can we assume then that Conor Murphy called it wrong, misled the public and caused extra hurt to a family that had to endure what was, uh, by all accounts, a horrific killing? An absolutely horrific killing. Conor Murphy, um, Conor Murphy, I assume like a lot of us, did not intend to cause hurt, but in what he said he did cause hurt and now he's um, willing to apologise to the family. And, and my understanding uh, was that himself and, uh, and other Sinn Féin members were willing to meet the Queen, the Quinn family um, before this. Now, they had their own reasons and, and mightn't have been open to this, but um, hopefully we will find some sort of facility where um, Conor Murphy uh, can talk and apologise to the Quinn family. OK, Thomas Byrne of Fianna Fáil, Meadies, did you want to come in there? Yeah, I did, because I remember um, when Mary Lou MacDonald was tackled on that particular issue back in October, only a few months ago, uh, and the on the debates the other night on Brian Dobson and indeed last night, she seemed to imply that she didn't know uh, what Conor Murphy actually said. Now, that can't possibly be true, because Michael Reid put it to her on the 25th of October. So why did she say on Brian Dobson that she didn't know the full extent of what he said and apply that last night and completely change? I think Sinn Féin really need to come clean on this. What is holding them back on this issue? What is holding them back on the Special Criminal Court? Why do they duck and dive questions about murder and criminality themselves? Why about murder? Uh, and I think the public deserves an answer on that from Rory Amoraku and from any Sinn Féin representative on Mary Lou MacDonald. OK, what do you say to that, Rory? Well, I say Mary Lou 
has asked Conor Murphy for an apology. Conor Murphy has accepted that his comments had hurt the family and he is apologising in relation to it. It's it's as straightforward as that and hopefully this will be somewhat beneficial to the Quinn family. Uh, Pather Tobin, when you were uh, a glorified member of Sinn Féin from Eid West, did this issue come up at all and was there any talk within Sinn Féin that uh, Sinn Féin needs to get its act together on this? I think obviously there is a legacy of the troubles uh, in some part of the north of Ireland and that's there's a necessity to make sure that the communities that were, I suppose, su- suffered most uh, have a some level of reaching out to the victims uh, that have suffered in, in the troubles because uh, right through the north of Ireland there is phenomenal damage that has been done. There's families uh, on both sides uh, that have suffered uh, radically. I know a neighbour of mine in County Meath, uh, for example, uh, their family uh, had their members uh, shot dead by the Glen Ann gang. We have a councillor, uh, Denise Mullen, in, in the north of Ireland, uh, whose father was shot dead on the doorstep of her house when she was four years age of age, and she was the only person with her father. Um, I think what needs to happen is we need to have a truth and reconciliation process uh, in the north where all of those who have suffered are able to access the truth of exactly what happened. And I think the Quins need to know the truth of exactly what happened. Well, I'll come back to you in a second, Jed. Uh, Rurio Moriku, I must remind you that I'm old enough to remember Garda Frank Hand being shot dead by the IRA in Drumree in County Meath back in 1984. Garda Patrick Morrissey, 49 years of age, based in Cullen Station, shot dead in Talonstown in 1985. And uh, the public would want justice for those type of cases and indeed it went through the courts. But your party, back in 2016, Gerry Adams said he wanted the Special Criminal Court abolished. Do you still agree with that? Well, as Mary Lou MacDonald said last night, it is not in our manifesto to get rid of the Special Criminal Court. Well, we, have, we, said have said, we have said that we want, we've called since 2017 for a review of all emergency legislation would include that. Now, let, let, we're talking about the Special Criminal Court in relation to drug dealers and drug dealing and here we all here many of us represent communities that are being absolutely destroyed by drug gangs at the minute now the special criminal court is in operation sure. there have been cases that have gone through it now you can make an argument in relation that most of those cases had a serious amount of evidence and that they could have um, that the cases would have been won by the state um, would have been won by the state in, in any court but 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 the reality is we have been ineffective in actually dealing with these gangs because we have an insufficient amount of guards. All we have an, we have an, we have an, we have an, we have an insufficient amount of resources. We need to ensure that the guards are given all that they need. No, you, you, no Te- let's techni- deal with the courts. Let's deal with the courts. Okay. Uh, well, we it, need it, here. See, see the problem with courts at the minute. We're dealing with courts that are. It takes far too long to get people into court. It takes far too long for the DPP to do the processing. We've had a number no, of. Se- like a we've matter. had we've had serious that amount of like charges that. That have been outstanding right. because we haven't been able to get DNA reports back quick enough that or anything like, like that. So it's across the board. That sounds like a separate matter completely. Jed Nash of Labour, what's your response I, to all this? I, I think people are looking now very, very closely, um, given that Sinn Féin are apparently riding so high in the polls at the prospect of this party potentially participating in the next government. Of course, Mary Lou Macdonald herself has said she hasn't ruled out Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. That would probably come as some disappointment to some of those who are considering voting for Sinn Féin because those voters now appear to want some kind of a radical change. And I'm sure we will uh, look at the Sinn Féin manifesto and indeed other manifestos in great detail. But last night's mealy-mouthed response from Mary Lou Macdonald on two fronts was quite extraordinary. 
you know, she's in favour of every court, squash courts, tennis courts and everything else, except the special criminal court. Now, that's the two fingers to the people of Drogheda who are demanding action in terms of bringing those responsible for directing the feud in this town and directing... Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah, go ahead, Jade, I, quick, Everybody got... Got, 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 got I, their I, speak, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, Special Criminal Court is an important weapon in the armoury dealing with gangland crime in this country, and we know Sinn Féin's long-held view on this, and I can't speak out of both sides of the mouth, they are at the moment. But can I say this in relation to the murder of Paul Quinn, and that's what it was. It wasn't really a terrible tragedy. It was a murder by people who are associated with uh, the party uh, that seeks to be in government in this country in a short few days. This is the only party contesting this election that's been asked about the murder of a young man in our living memory in 2007, not that long ago. And the only reason why Mary Lou MacDonald is confronting this now is because she was caught and because this tape has emerged of Conor Murphy accusing this young man of being a criminal. Okay, it's not a terrible tragedy, but it's a murder. Nice and can I say this as well? Conor Murphy, we Conor Murphy, Conor Murphy is not fit for public office. Okay, well, Conor Murphy, I, and that, that's not yeah, my words. I, I have other Conor Murphy to, is I, the I, Minister of Finance. And, and ju- just a few moments ago, just a few moments ago, Breach Quinn spoke to Sean O'Rourke on RTE and said that that individual should yeah, resign. Yeah, he is yeah, not fit yeah. for public office. It, and yeah, if Sinn Féin are participating that's, in the next government, I don't want to be part of a government that's consistently sure, sure, bedeviled okay, okay, by okay, questions of Polish parties their involvement in the murder of Irish people. On that. I want, Very briefly, because the, I want to move on. I the want to move special on. criminal court and extra powers in relation to evidence are absolutely crucial for this LMFM region. Crucial in terms of the gangland crime that's out there. And why is it? Two why fingers is it? to the people why of Drogheda if you don't Whenever any Sinn Féin representative is asked about the special criminal they court or about murders, there's nervousness, there's okay. reticence, there's, there's holding back, there's Patter, dodging Patter, the question. Patter, Patter, I, I wonder very why. Quickly, very I wonder why. There's a very really quickly. important point in all of this with regards to crime, and that's the low level of Gardaí that we have in our country. Meath has the lowest number of Gardaí in the state currently. We have one Garda for every 650 people, while other counties have one Garda for every 250 people. When you ring guard uh, stations at the moment, you can't get them. We need to make sure that we invest in the number of guardies so people can actually make sure that they can tackle crime and antisocial behaviour in okay, their areas. Okay, I want to leave there because I want to move on. No, I'm going to move on because we have a load of issues to get through. I'm going to go over to you, Jed Nash. Uh, Labour, in its manifesto, is promising to build 80,000 houses over the next five years, which works out at just over about 15,000 houses per year at a cost of 16 billion euro. Now, I put it to you that this is unachievable because the carpenters, the electricians, the plumbers, they're not there. Isn't this the case that you're making a promise that you can't deliver on? Certainly not. Uh, in fact, we didn't just design this housing policy uh, overnight or over the last few months. This has been our policy for three years. It actually right been in. endorsed by uh, significant uh, voluntary housing bodies uh, and indeed we know that this is eminently achievable. Uh, of course, one of the problems that we had in this country uh, over the last few years was that construction workers weren't coming back because the pay rates weren't sufficient to allow them to make ends meet. And I introduced what's called sector employment orders back in 2015. There's one in place for the construction sector now around pay and conditions. So we have a very clearly funded uh, costed proposal. It will cost 16 billion euros. We know without, by the way, increasing tax because it comes from very affordable borrowing on the international markets, also using our strategic investment fund, NAMA receipts as well. And you're going and to raise the, the rainy day fund that uh, the government has well, put aside you know, for if you do, emergencies. If you, if you don't have a roof over your head, it's a very, very rainy day for the people who are in, in insecure tenancies and who are on our housing waiting lists. This is yeah. the key issue. This sure. is the absolute key issue facing us as a society. So what we want to do, can I, can I just complete very brief, the point? Very brief. What we're going to do is, well, in the meantime, and I mean, this has been endorsed as well by um, experts in the field, is introduce the kind of rent cap uh, that Alan Kelly introduced in 2015 to make sure that rents stay at the rate that they are at the moment and, and are gradually reduced over the next period of time. 
until such time as the supply okay. is there to address that um, supply issue. Okay, both Pavel, Pavel, we, need, we, need to join the, we need to join the dots in Pavel this Pavel country. Mean, yeah. in, in, in Meath, there are 4,000 vacant houses and there's 3,500 people on the housing waiting list. It's absolutely incredible that in some towns... The streets are festooned with derelict houses, and yet there's nowhere to rent. Uh, so what we in to want to do is we want to, one, have a carrot and a stick situation. We want to put a pot of 200 million euros available so that some of those houses can be brought back into use. But we also want to let people know that if dereliction exists too long, there will be a tax on it. So there's a whole area of Flower Hill in, in Navan right now which is, is cursed with dereliction. It's causing antisocial behaviour. It's like that for nearly 10 years and yet you can't get a place to rent uh, in, in the likes of Navan. So we need to make sure that the housing stock that we, we have out there is first of but, all brought but, into use. But is this use. a government issue or a local authority issue? Well, with regards to tax and dereliction, that's a government decision. With regards to CPOs, though, that's an issue of, of, of the local authority. And in fairness to Louth County Council, they have CPO'd CPO a rake of houses. Yeah. Meath County Council hasn't, rake, uh, hasn't CPO'd enough houses. I think anybody who's sitting on property that is allowed to remain dormant or vacant in this period of housing uh, crisis should have a CPO slapped okay. upon them. Rory Morocco, what's the great big Sinn Féin plan to, to deal with homelessness, uh, rent, um, rent, the rent issue and the fact that so many people are even struggling to save to put a deposit to get a mortgage on a house. Well, we're not going to fix this problem if we don't build houses. We're talking about building 100,000 houses. That's We're talking about um, affordable mortgages. We're talking about affordable cost rental. And we're talking about council houses. But see, when we talk about council houses... Um, like and uh, what Loud County Council have done in relation to uh, the CPOs is commendable, but the problem is at the minute there's a, there is possibly in around 200 houses, maybe more, across this county that haven't been put back in operation that are council houses because Loud County Council has an insufficient maintenance budget. And the reason it has an insufficient maintenance budget is because there's underfunding from central government, right? So it means they can possibly central government will pay for 50 to 60% of fixing these houses up but it will not pay for the other 40%. We don't have a ma- we don't have the maintenance budget. What we do have, we are paying a million a year in servicing um, la- the cost on land banks. Land banks 50 50 acres or so that Loud County Council owns that were bought under government instruction at the height of the boom and we haven't built a single house on them because we haven't been facilitated so we really need right. the government to deal with this Thomas Byrne, Fianna Fáil, what's the Fianna Fáil magic formula to deal with this? Well I don't think any party has a magic formula but what Fianna Fáil has, uh, Ken, are values so our values, we value home ownership and we want to increase home ownership rates and we want to, you know, we're, we're meeting young people all the time, Ken, in their late 20s early to mid to late 30s even who are still living at home and who simply cannot buy a house in the way the previous generations were able to do. And that's what we want to do. We want to increase those rates for the lowest rate of home ownership in decades. So we want to build 50,000 new affordable units. We also want to build 50,000 social units. And we think that that is something that's needed, uh, that can happen and will have a significant effect uh, on on home ownership uh, in this country. And that's really, really important to us. Everybody must have that aspiration for home ownership, which has been denied. Just to come into that very briefly. Very briefly, very briefly. I will say we come at this from an economics point of view as well because there, in, in Ireland there are a number of dysfun- dysfunctional markets. There are insider tracks where you know, the government have allowed for you know, vested interests to, to literally reap massive profits at the cost of, of society. Vulture funds and the banks and developers are some of those insiders. And we would, like, there's people at the moment sitting on tracts of land, massive big vacant tracts of land, 
and they're they're sitting on it to wait for the price to go up and they're going to flip it and make a higher profit on that land by speculation than if they built it. Speculation needs to be taken out of the housing market. A house should be about a home. It shouldn't be a commodity for, for flipping and, and speculation. And we need well, to make sure... That I mean, a vacant, we, we, vacant we, site levy was introduced yeah, actually it, by, by, yeah. by ourselves. It's not a proper... Pro- it's not, it's not well, actually well, implemented well, properly well, whatsoever. Yeah, 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 right, absolutely it does. Lads, I mean, we can't... One, one voice at a yeah, time. I mean, we can't have, as Pader outlined, you know, developers and speculators simply sitting on land and waiting for the land price to increase while we've got such significant problems in with our housing stock and bringing that supply forward. Okay. And what we need what we need to do is we need we need to obviously elaborate further on that and make sure for example in Louth we don't have a single site yes. in the vacant sites register, which is extraordinary. We can look outside this window. But is that a local authority issue? Or well, well, it absolutely no, is. But well, 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 it is. Local authority issue the problem, the problem is, the problem is, the national carrot, the national carrot and stick isn't strong enough. But that's, that's um, so we need to make sure. I want to move on. The vacant sites. That's the vacant sites. I want to move on. Just before we do the vacant sites. Yeah, but the problem is that the problem is that the Department of Housing and let's not talk about not working on dysfunctional housing markets. What Fianna Fáil did in terms of the crash, but that's and we're still recovering from that, by the way. But the point is. And, and we, 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 we intend, we absolutely intend to do that. The problem is that the local authorities don't appear to want to be want to in, put, put these okay, sites onto the vacant sites levies. Very, very quickly, Rory. Very quickly, Rory. Very quickly. Straight out. We, like everyone has said, we're in a dysfunctional market at the minute. See, until we put in a complete rent freeze. Here, we're talking about three years. That's a Sinn Féin proposal. And, and, also, and also a refundable tax credit that would actually put money back in people's pockets because we're get, people are being absolutely crippled in relation to that. You have houses and on dock regular houses going for 1200 1400 a month sure. here there's nobody would get a mortgage at that rate okay i want to move on uh, thomas burn fianna fall we have a situation in this country where young married couples who have saved every penny to buy a house then find themselves with what could be classed as a second mortgage the ridiculous cost of childcare it's crippling couples what's what's the great fianna fall plan to deal with this well i think come right in the issue of childcare is clearly one of the biggest issues uh, in the country at the moment. And what's happening in, in Mideast, and I'm sure it's happening all over the uh, county at the moment, all over the, the country at the moment, is that people simply not only can they not afford childcare, uh, but they can't access it, in fact. It's simply not available for them. Uh, and that has to change. Uh, we, we want to bring in, first of all, which is very, very important in terms of availability, is to make sure uh, that there are childcare facilities available. And there are planning rules there which require them. I raised this in the doll with, with the Taoiseach, and he told me to go back to the Mayor of Mead, uh, which is a completely... Uh, ridiculous thing to say. This is a government responsibility to make sure that there's capital funding there for childcare centres. But what's happening at the moment is women are leaving the workforce. We need to make childcare more affordable. We want to increase uh, the, 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 the universal subsidy, subsidy, subsidy that's there. And we also want to make provision as well in terms of tax credit for uh, child minors as well, who have been completely left yeah, out of the picture. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, sure uh, that tax credits can, should, 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 should really be, I think that's an inefficient use of public resources. What we should be doing and what we are proposing is, yes, increasing the subsidy because what we want to do in support of the Early Years Alliance, a very unique that's been formed between SIP2 actually and the providers to make sure that uh, childcare rates are affordable because it is, as you say, Ken, that second mortgage. We want to make sure as well that uh, childcare workers, earlier as educators, who will be protesting on the streets of Dublin today for a fair wage, get that living wage. And they're trying to use legislation I brought in to actually reach that. Uh, but that will require additional state funding. But uniquely what we're proposing actually is a public childcare model. So we're investing €60 million Euros in 6,000 places, a pilot scheme across this country. That's our intention to make sure that uh, in the future we actually move to a European-style public childcare model. Sure, I, I 
to let uh, Rory Omoraku of Sinn Féin in here. What, what's, the, what's the great Sinn Féin plan? Well, we're talking about over a decade that we would uh, basically transform childcare into a fully-fledged public service. We're talking about uh, straight away how that would need to happen is literally we're talking about more than a subvention of uh, about €500 Euro per month, literally, in to make, obviously, to reduce the cost in relation to the, the amounts that hard-pressed families are paying, but also to increase the pain conditions that people are suffering. Like, we're talking about an entry rate in the industry of in around uh, 12, 30 euro per hour. Okay, because you see... Rit- 11.50 at the moment. Yeah, 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 it's, 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 you're unfit to actually re- retain people at the minute. Yeah, okay, we're, 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 we're also looking for that uh, living wage for people working in the childcare service. We think the wage should be suitable for people who have you know degrees and increases with their professional experience. And the idea that someone working in that sector is only paid for 38 weeks and has to sign on for uh, potentially five weeks is absolutely disgraceful. With regards to paying for childcare, we want to increase the child benefit from 140 a month to 200 a month. We want to give parents a choice in how their children are minded. If if a parent wants to send their, their child to childcare, they should have that extra uh, child benefit to be able to help to do that. But if a, if a parent wants to stay at home uh, as well to mind their, their kid, they shouldn't be discriminated against in that regard. We also want to see uh, a move away from tax individualisation whereby people lost their their, uh, tax breaks uh, uh, as a result of not participating in in the workforce. When people are minding children, that is a very important job and it should be recognised so by the state and people should be able to make that choice if they so wish. We need to look at it laterally as well because one of the things I've proposed actually is legislation on a right to flexible work. So we're dealing actually with here the cost and so on, but if we actually change how people work and give people the opportunity to work remotely, people don't need to be at that. Thomas Quinn, it's all very well. I think for for, 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 for Labour and Sinn Féin. For Labour and Sinn Féin to talk about, you know, we want this publicly funded model of childcare 10 years' time. It's a bit like childcare. But whoever's elected is going to be in government next week or the week after. We have to start making changes now that will benefit people. And, you know, we need that child minor tax credit. Okay, I want to move on. I want to move on, Thomas. You can do that. You're the Fianna Fáil spokesperson on education. Another additional cost for parents, particularly those that live in rural areas, is the cost of school transport, the cost of student fees. Parents are absolutely crippled. What message would you have to parents who are about to send children to secondary school and indeed on to third level? Uh, what I would say is that Fianna Fáil is the party of education and educational opportunity. And that's the most important thing, that we make sure that people can actually uh, get their education in their local area. And too often in this constituency, not alone are school costs a huge issue, but you can't get uh, into a school. I have parents ringing me only this morning about that particular issue. And there's a big failure of demographics in the department. So, But on the, on the exact question that you asked, we need to increase capitation uh, to schools. That's really important. There's been Fine Gael have shown no interest in that whatsoever. And also uh, at, 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 at third level as well, we are proposing to increase the student grants as well because the government actually has cut the amount of funding that they put to student grants in the last number of years. And we are proposing an unprecedentedly uh, large investment in the third level sector to get our well, universities J- J- into national is, is, Isn't this an issue for parents that in fact they can't actually afford to well, send their, uh, their uh, sons uh, and daughters to third level uh, because uh, of absolutely the Absolutely is. And it's actually a, a big issue as well where families locally I find it difficult to make ends meet and making those so-called voluntary contributions to schools that aren't actually voluntary. So we're not pretending, uh, Ken, that uh, we can, uh, like Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin and others, that we can cut your taxes and also invest in the public service that people need. We're uniquely saying we're going to introduce genuinely free primary education to give every child a, a, a good start in life. We can't do that by cutting everybody's taxes, by taking, Ken, you know, in the context of Sinn Féin, about 8.2 billion euros out of public okay, services. I'm the chair of the... Tax cuts that would be worth a tenner a week for most families. The, the what matters campaign. is actually yeah, cost pa- of living. Pa- I'm the chair of the Meat Schools campaign and we're in this really phenomenal situation, County Meath, at the moment, that's 
people in Navin are sending their kids to Dunshockland, Noburn, that boy, to secondary school. The people in Trim who live beside a secondary school there can't get access to that school. That At the start of uh, the year, there were 80 people waiting for two schools uh, in Trim. You know, we have census returns on an annual basis uh, very, here. We, very know how many, we know how many kids are com- coming into the school system. But again, if you look at most investment criteria in Meath, Meath is at the very bottom of the ladder. Uh, and that's happening because the population is increasing. But the, the Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael governments that we've had for so long in the state have not put the necessary investment into the schools. Right, but what uh, would you do if you were well, well, First of all, we would provide... Very, a, very briefly. We, we would provide this a really controversial idea of providing a school place for everybody in, in, in County Meath. We would make sure that there's autism units, for example, in schools in County in, in, in Navan, uh, so that kids uh, who have autism are able to get their full uh, education and reach their full moment. potential. It's, and, and another point I will right. say to you is, I was talking to parents there recently who have twins, who are going to college from Meath, and are spending seven and a half grand on bus tickets currently uh, to get in, 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 into college a, a, every single day. And those kids are waking up at six okay. o'clock in the morning and coming back at seven or eight at night. The education system is distorted okay. uh, in this country. Uh, uh, Ruri Omoroku of Sinn Féin, what? Uh, what would you do to address the, as I say, the extra struggle that parents have to face in terms of costs? Yeah, well the costs we're, we're talking about on average nearly a thousand quid per child that is every summer that is going back into primary education, probably 1400 quid or so in relation to kids that are going into secondary school so um, and people have already talked about these voluntary contributions and in fairness while schools raise money themselves that should be for extracurricular activities so we would be talking about um, funding in relation to that we would be talking about obviously dealing with uh, the cost of books free school books we are talking about in relation to uniforms that we need to look at a means of reducing the cost in relation to people we're talking about a a back to school um, grant of about 140 quid that needs to be given to everybody uh, who has a kid going back to school because look it is absolutely crippling people but look we're talking about the difficulties about school numbers and then we have a real we have a real problem we have a real problem the the TUI obviously went on strike yesterday the problem with pay parity you're talking at the minute that 21% or so of people involved in education are going abroad where it's usually 4% and that's because we're not able to retain people because we're not offering them what they need to stay. Okay, listen, we've got about four minutes left. I'm going to ask each one of you to do a one-minute sales pitch as to why people should vote for you, Pedro Tobin, on Saturday and the rest of you as, uh, as, as... as the discussion comes to an end. So, Pather, why should people vote for you on Saturday? Okay, I'm asking people to consider myself uh, for the number one vote on Saturday on the basis of the record of work that I've done in the county over the last 10 years. I'm the chair of the Save Navin Hospital campaign, and along with others, we've taken 40,000 people on the streets of Meath to protect the hospital. I'm also the chair of the Meath on Track campaign, which is uh, in, in the middle of a people-powered campaign to make sure that we get the rail line into the county. I'm asking people to think outside of the political cartel that's ruled this country nearly since the foundation of the state, and to vote for Rain 2. And I will say one thing. It, it's, this is very serious because people are voting. Briefly. People are voting for change at the moment, and people will feel cheated after the election if Fianna Fáil, Labour, and Sinn Féin put uh, Simon Harris, Owen Murphy, and Leo Varadkar back at the cabinet table. All of those political parties have said in some form that they will do so. Ain't who is the only political party okay. that won't vote for a Fine Gael government. Okay, Rory Moriku of Sinn Féin, why should people vote for you on Saturday? People on the doors are saying they want change. They need to vote for Sinn Féin in order to bring about that change. I'm asking them to vote for myself and Imelda Munster. Obviously, we're selling ourselves in relation to local representation, which Sinn Féin has always done. <coughs> but now we have an opportunity to break the cartel. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have run this place for almost a uh, hundred years, and people want the change. 
change. So if you want movement in relation to housing, if you want movement in relation to healthcare, you need to vote for Sinn Féin. We are the only people also who are going to put a plan in place because the conversation has started in relation to Irish unity. So we need people to vote for us. Okay, Senator Jed Nash of the Labour Party, why should people vote for you on Saturday? Well, we've been very clear all along that we can't perform a three-card trick or a con job and say that we can cut your taxes and also provide the kind of public services, housing system, free education and healthcare system that people in this country require. We've had a decade of underinvestment because of the economic crash. We want to make sure that we fast-track investment into our schools, into our hospitals, into home care packages and the services on which people depend. Uh, around this table, I think it is fair to say an objective fact that I have an unrivaled track record of delivering on the national stage and indeed the local stage for people who are in low pay and people who are in precarious work. It's important that we elect people who know how to get things done in this area. Fine Gael have left this area behind. I'm focusing on ensuring that we get okay. the kind of investment that this area okay, deserves time is up. and that the Drawda area in particular realises its full potential. Okay, Thomas Byrne of Fianna Fáil, why should people vote for you in Mead East on Saturday next? Well, look, in the same way that Regina Doherty gave up her seat at this particular uh, debate this morning, uh, I'm hoping that the public out there puts Fianna Fáil into the seats uh, of Fianna Gael and changes the government, because Fianna Fáil is the only party that is running enough candidates that can actually form a different government. And we've put forward realistic plans. Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned education this morning, because it's not going to look in on any debate whatsoever. And special education is an absolute crisis. I've been a strong advocate uh, for special education in this area, and we'll continue to, to do that uh, if we're in government. But what I say is, Ken, for law and order, it is absolutely essential that people think really carefully about who they're voting for. We need to get the gangsters off the streets and keep our people safe. And I'm appealing to people to consider that. Who is willing to use the Special Criminal Court? Who's willing to use a Garda Super Chief Super to get people into jail? We need to do that. OK. Pather Tobin of Aintu, Ruri Omoroku of Sinn Féin, uh, Jed Nash of Labour and Thomas Byrne of Fianna Fáil. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. More to come. We'll take a break. Ken Murray on LMFM. OK. It's that time of the week where we have our crime spot and I'm joined in studio this morning by Garda Ronan Farrelly actually Sergeant Ronan Farrelly of Navan Garda Station. So Ronan uh, talk us through the crime that's been happening in the Loudmead area over the last uh, week or so. Yes Ken, good morning. Uh, we start off with a burglary in Kilmainamud we actually had two burglaries in the same area in Kilmainamud late last week and into the weekend. Now the first one happened at uh, uh, just one second I'll bring it up here um, it happened um you're just finding uh, your notes just, there, yeah, yeah. just kidding it here now. One second, Ken. Yeah. Uh, it happened at Ardmanach, Helmena Mud, and it happened between last Tuesday and Saturday morning. It was discovered Saturday morning. Um, it was a farmyard shed broken into, uh, an array of tools taken, including chainsaws, a strimmer, a power washer. Um, so that happened, as I say, sometime between Tuesday and Saturday morning. It was discovered at 11am. And then the second burglary, again in the same area, Ardmanach, Helmena Mud, uh, happened overnight on Saturday night into Sunday morning, sometime between 9pm on Saturday and 11am on Sunday. Um, a garage was broken into, a uh, power washer was taken, chainsaws, drills and a red Honda ride-on mower. So the culprits in this case would have had to use transport. So we're appealing to anybody who was in that general area uh, over the weekend, if they saw anything unusual or suspicious, to contact the Gardaí at Knobber Garda Station. OK, moving on. 
Um, we had a fire then in Stamullen area last Wednesday evening. Um, this uh, was a large warehouse uh, that went on fire at Hodgestown outside Stamullen. It's right on the border between Mead and Dublin, just near Denall. And at half past five, that warehouse was destroyed. A large quantity of furniture was in it. Now, we're still investigating the cause of this fire. We haven't definitively established how it started. But we're just putting it out there. If anybody has any information or knows anything that can assist with establishing the cause, to please contact Gardy at Laytown Garda Station. Okay. Uh, moving on then, Ken, we had uh, a van broken into in Dundalk last Thursday. Uh, this happened in the Newtown Balregan area during the day. There was a white Mercedes van broken into. The side door was forced open. Uh, again, a lot of hand tools and drills were taken. And I'd just like to take this opportunity to remind tradespersons to please mark your tools. We do recover these from time to time and sometimes it's very hard to trace an owner because there's absolutely no mark on them. So we just remind tradespersons to please do that. Okay, I believe there was a burglary in Wilkinstown in County Mead uh, last Saturday, I think it was. That's correct. This happened at Balmain outside Wilkinstown last, uh, the early hours of last Saturday, sometime between 1.30am and 6.45am. Again, it's a farmyard shed that was broken into. Uh, the same type of equipment stolen again, power washers, uh, chainsaws and so on. There's obviously people going around targeting these type of, of uh, garages and farmyard sheds. So again, It's part of a trend, is it? Or? It seems to be a, re- a very recent trend in the last two weeks. So we'd ask people just to review their security, particularly farmers to review their security and again to mark your tools. If anybody has any information about this particular case, we'd ask them to contact Navan Garda Station. And finally, I think a trailer was stolen in RD uh, on Sunday. Yes, this happened in the early hours of Sunday between 2am and 7am. A trailer was stolen from the Sleeve Bray area. Now it's a small trailer, it's a single axle trailer. It's black in colour with a silver tailgate with orange and yellow reflectors across it. So if anybody knows the whereabouts of that trailer or can assist in any way, we'd ask them to please contact RD Garda Station. OK, Sergeant uh, Ronan Farley, thanks indeed for coming in. And indeed, if anybody has any information, they can contact, as I said, any Garda Station in the Louth Mead area. Thanks very much indeed. OK, we're almost coming to the end of our programme for this morning. And uh, Marie Cairns joins me again in studio. So uh, people have been busy, I believe, on the phone and the text machine. Yes, and all sorts of comments coming in. Listener wants to know uh, from the Mead area, why are we not mentioning Airgrid? Another on posters agrees that it's very poor taste to see posters outside churches and cemeteries. Absolutely no need for them. Uh, a listener in North Mead wants to know if there's going to be investments in roads. It's a huge air, a huge issue in the area. So many potholes and roads that are unfit for, for purpose. Another listener says, um, was watching the debate last night I feel that it was good to have uh, Mary Lou MacDonald in the mix. At the very least, at least it gave uh, an opportunity to ask her the questions that needed to be asked. Sure, sure. Uh, Can you please uh, ask Simon Coveney uh, in relation to Brexit and the issues uh, of the day that that Fine Gael party underestimated uh, Brexit on the doorsteps, that it's not an issue for most of us ordinary people, that our concerns are to do with putting a roof over our head, Ken, and putting food on the table. Although in response to that, because uh, I was listening to somebody on another radio mm. programme, they said if the Brexit deal wasn't done, the implications for the country would be far more severe. 
So the deal was done and life goes on as is, but the real implications of Brexit won't become clear until the UK-EU deal is done in about 12 months' time. Labour had their day, says John from East Meath. Uh, they brought in the water charges enough set. <laughs> the, another listener plucking up dirt on Sinn Féin uh, to, try to, uh, to try and keep them out of government. It's a sad sign of desperation. Change is coming. Well, re-air grid, there's so many other areas we could have covered. We haven't got round to them all, but we've focused in, I think, on the main issues that affect uh, the most amount of people listening to this programme. OK, that just about wraps it up. Maggie McGuire, Marie Cairns put the programme together. Paul McKenna was on sound. That's it for myself, Ken Murray. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning just after the 9 o'clock news. And Sinead Brazzle is next. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.